0: Welcome to the Success Inspired Podcast, a business and personal development podcast to help you accomplish more in life and realize your true potential. And now here is your host, Fit Muller.
1: Hello, everybody. My guest today is NLP business coach, mentor and trainer with over 15 years of experience in professional and personal development coaching, trainer and neurolinguistic programming, timeline therapy and hypnosis. She has helped multiple individuals across various industries to truly make a difference in their lives. And today, she's taking some time out of her busy schedule to share some valuable information with you to help make a difference in your life too. So please welcome to the show, Maria Van Voelklis.
0: Thanks for having me on the show, Vid.
1: Thanks, Maria. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming along on the show today. I'm um, to have you on the show. And uh, look, I've already introduced you a little bit, but what's something that not many people know
0: about you? So I've, I like, I've worked in many various different industries, but one thing that most people don't know about me is that I actually used to be in the police force, which is very different to what I'm doing now. But it's definitely uh, given me some foundation and backbone in terms of knowledge to be able to work with individuals as to where I am now.
1: So that's a that's a big change from police force to what you do now. Yeah. Why did you make that change? What made you decide to make that swap?
0: I've always had a desire to be able to create a difference within certain, you know, within individuals that I interact with. And I thought by being in the police force, I could actually do that. And it got to a point where I felt like it was quite limited in being able to do so. So I, I decided to pursue a new business path in being able to help individuals uh, create change with their health because before I was in the police, I was actually a personal trainer and a naturopath, so I was helping people on a health aspect. So So therefore I left the police force and I decided to be able to dive deeper into the psychology of individuals to create a much more sustainable and profound change. And that's led me to where I am today in helping business owners do that on a, on a business scope and business
1: scale. I love it. When we talk about psychology, NLP is something that plays a big part in that, right? And you Absolutely. probably already had some psychology training as a police officer as well, right?
0: Absolutely. The basis of, of- police training is knowing how to communicate with individuals but the funny thing actually what I what I learned being in the police force is that majority of police officers actually do not know how to communicate very well so that was great insight in terms of being able to how know how to approach people and problem solve because in that particular job you're having to problem solve every single day every single moment so communication is very imperative so that was a great insight in terms of knowing how to build upon and creating exceptional communication with individuals to know how to problem solve very effectively.
1: Mm-hmm. And so you, t- you took some of that experience from being in the police, transitioning into running your own business now and as an L- NLP coach, tell us about that journey. How did you transition and how did you start it with your business?
0: Yeah, sure. So the transition with the police, I got really, I learned a lot in terms of leadership communication, as well as knowing how to work cohesively as a team. So when I decided to leave and start my own business, I had to think about, what kind of characteristics and attributes that I learned that I can actually take over into creating a business. And that was a really great foundation in terms of building upon business structures, systems, how to put systems in place, and also how to delegate, which is one thing I find that with a lot of business owners that are going into business that don't know how to do because they're like, I'll just do it all myself. And they take it on and then become extremely time poor when they do so. So having that foundation and knowing how to be able to create great time management knowing how to outsource delegate as well as create solid systems and structures in place really gave me a great foundation in knowing how to accelerate that process when going into business
1: because certainly you can start also just bootstrap it start on your own and say i'm going to do it all by myself but like you're right um in saying that you know you won't be able to delegate you need people to to rely on. So, did, so how how did you? Can you tell us specifically how did you go about it? Did you and when you decided that you want to leave police, did you decide it and you planned for it? You save a bit of okay, cash so that you have something to work with, so that you can pay others. So, how did you go about that?
0: Absolutely. So when I decided I had been, I was already running a business part-time while I was in the police force as an naturopath. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of delving into it, but I wasn't a hundred percent in it. So, and it wasn't really going anywhere. So when I decided to go all in, I made a plan to be able to make that transition. And that means having to save X amount of dollars over, say, a six-month period of income if I was to leave the police. From there, I, even though I had been in business before, I still seeked out a mentor and a coach to be able to guide me and give me some really great frameworks in knowing how to implement things quite quickly. So that was probably the biggest game changer. I, I know a lot of people that do go into that transitioning, but do it all on their own and sometimes go in blindsided and not knowing how to create a really strategic plan in being able to do so. The one thing I really learned though, That was really the biggest turning point for me was having the right mindset in being able to go into and creating a new business because previously I was running a business. It was great. It was a bit of a struggle. However, I was running a lot of, of running off a lot of low self-confidence, not really Having that self belief within myself to know how to really do that effectively, even doing sales specifically. Like in the beginning, I hated doing sales. And this is quite common in most uh, business owners in the beginning because they love what they do, but they, try and avoid all the selling and the marketing and getting themselves out there. But it's actually just as important in being able to make a greater impact in what they're trying to do. So having that coaching and mentoring and being able to shift and uh, adjust my mindset as I go made such a big difference in being able to get that success from the beginning.
1: And is that then when you've discovered that NLPs is the vehicle to do that?
0: Absolutely. So the coach and mentor that I had was, he was actually a trained psychologist, sports psychologist, and he was trained in NOP and he actually introduced me, let's say, in terms of what this is and how it works. And I actually observed the changes that were happening within myself, and I was like, "Wow, I really want to learn that as well." So then mm. I explored and delved deeper into what this is, and then I went along the journey in getting trained, and now eventually becoming a trainer and a, a master coach as well.
1: I love it. I love it. Now, for, for those that are listening for this to this episode, maybe this podcast for their very first time, they might be curious: what is this NLP? Can you um, elaborate?
0: Yeah, sure. So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And what this is, is that the neurons, so we actually store all emotions limiting decisions and all our psychology is stored not in the brain but specifically in the nervous system and what happens is is that programming which is part of the NLP section the programming is that we actually program ourselves based on how we actually language and talk to ourselves so the linguistics of what we actually say internally actually produces the behaviors and the results that we're producing in life so what NLP does neuro-linguistic programming is it identifies the programming, the linguistics that are used and being able to create change using language on a psychological level to create a profound different result. And New NLP specifically works on creating success and excellence in individuals. So we don't fix people. We look at ways to be able to enhance and improve people's performance. That's the difference between NLP uh, and other modalities that are out there.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, can you give us some examples? Because this is very conceptual and it might be a bit, you know, tricky to, to properly understand the concept. Any examples and real examples how NLP can help in either, in both, sorry, personal and in business dealings?
0: Absolutely. To give you an example And some of you may know Tony Robbins or Anthony Robbins. He's actually a very well-known authority figure within the personal development space. And he uses a lot of NLP techniques. He doesn't disclose it. However, as being trained, you can actually identify that. Now, a lot of business people actually have been trained in NLP to be able to enhance their success. Some of these people are Barack Obama, which is a politician, Oprah Winfrey, also people like Richard Branson's also been trained in NLP. And all actually, this is great insight. So all the government and all the politicians, all their speeches that are actually being written have been written by people that are trained in NLP because they They're linguistically written in a way to influence people. So that's one one example. A lot of sports individuals have been trained in NLP. Tiger Woods. He's, he's been trained and what this does it actually uh, enhances their performance so rather than just training or running through a particular presentation that they're actually doing they actually it rehearse it in within their own mind to be able to execute it much more effectively there was actually a study that was done on a group of basketball players three three different teams right and what happened was one team just practiced they practiced you know shooting their goals and making sure that they could shoot. And they did that for every coaching session. The other team did nothing, absolutely nothing. And then one team actually just visualized the process of shooting those balls into the hoops. And what they found was that the team that did nothing had no improvement. The team that actually physically practiced shooting the the balls into the hoops actually uh, did improve but what they found was the ones that actually visualized that process and practiced at the same time they coupled the two together psychologically and physically improved their score rate by tenfold. So there's a really um, distinct link in knowing how to be able to implement but also how to be able to have the the right mindset in being able to link the two together to be able to create the gap between the strategy of how to do it and the mindset of actually thinking about doing it together to create profound results.
1: So in summary, NLP as an example it's in, so it's incorporated in how we talk internally to ourselves as well as how we talk to others in order to influence them in both cases influence either ourselves. Uh, through positive mindset or influence others so through speech then we talk about visualization combining visualization with practice being the best combination and the key being here is that it's a tool that can they can make that shift in 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 the mindset for both individuals and groups you mentioned successful celebrities successful politicians it's very interesting about the politicians and the speeches and, and influencing mm-hmm. that but with that also comes an interesting question about responsibility because this could be used for good things as well as for bad things and for people that are in the audience listening to some politician's speech or on a tv or whatever they're listening them from they they have they can really impact someone's life in either in either way right so how do we how do we how can we tell if it's being used ethically or not? Is there particular awards that we should watch out for or particular things they say? any any examples on that, Maria?
0: Great question, great question. And it's always the intent in how we how we talk to people and people that are trained it's it's you know it can either go one way one way or the other. And my biggest thing when I work with people and I teach people these techniques is using these techniques with complete integrity because it's the intent that's behind it. Are you using it to be able to influence but also empower that other person to create change or are you using it in a way that's disempowering? So thinking about how you're actually using language is is the intent behind it now I love the question how you asked about how do you identify if someone's actually doing it now we have this thing in NLP where we train people about using hypnotic language patterns and what happens is is that this can put someone into a trance and for those of you who don't know what a trance is it's thinking about it as a way when you're just about to fall asleep and you're watching tv but you're aware you can hear the tv but you're but you're not asleep yet. That is a state of trance where you're slightly daydreaming in a way. So the language that's used nowadays, especially on TV, is is done in a way to put people in a trance to be able to influence individuals. Now, to be able to understand when that's happening is to be able to be conscious of your own thoughts At all times and listening, actively listening to what is happening and questioning everything that is being said, Mm. that would probably be the best way for an individual that isn't trained in this specific in, you know, hypnosis or in NLP to really understand how that is happening. Questioning everything is to be able to go, okay, what is being said? Is this true? How is this different to something else? Or what do I need to learn from this that I don't really know? already. So questioning is key and self-observation is key in knowing how to be able to identify if this is happening. And this is very common in the business world, right? Traditional salespeople are trained to be able to influence other people just to buy essentially. Now you've got two types of salespeople where they can influence without integrity and get the people just to get the money or you've got salespeople that actually influence to buy based on a well-informed decision that they actually feel good about. So that's the difference between the two. And you know that by the certain feeling that it's created within your own self when you are dealing with these kinds of different people as well. So that's a really good indicator too. Mm-hmm.
1: So the key takeaway point from this is that NLP is not a bad thing. NLP is very effective method, but when used with intent and complete integrity, to empower, that's when it's for for good. What about relationships and particular? Because i I've I've done a little bit of NLP. I'm nowhere near on your level, but you know I've done some courses and I've been you know curious about the topic and you know for me i've also been a personal trainer for good so when it comes to communication because i mean you mentioned sales but you know nlp being effective in for any other um reason right and and when you talk to a client in a gym and you wanted to influence them empower them to do the extra rep or or do something when when they you know walk away from the gym session let's say nutrition you know make sure that they are actually staying committed so empowering them and working on their on their mindset there are particular words that i remember from from one of the courses that i did such as the word and if you want to you know somebody you would use the word and you would be cautious of not using the word but because that sort of cancels whatever you said prior to the word but right and things like that any other good examples or keen to elaborate more on that
0: yeah, sure. So that's actually a really great example that you gave in terms of how to use linguistics differently because the but actually does. It deletes everything that was said previously before that. So we use and words to be able to link two statements to be able to get them to feel empowered. The other thing that I really want to be able to, to share with you is when you are speaking with people, it's really important to find out what actually motivates them because everyone's motivated by something and this is how they actually make Make decisions, And the way that you actually do that is by understanding and finding out what their values are. So for example, in the context of health, let's say, you can ask them, why is it important for you to come to the gym? Or what's most important to you about coming to the gym? Or what's most important to your health? And they will tell you what that is specifically. And as a coach or as a trainer, or even in relationships, partnerships, you can do this as well. You feedback those specific values back to them in order for them to be motivated and feel good about themselves in doing what they're doing. So for example, if someone comes to the gym and they say, you ask them, why, why do you come to the gym? What's most important to you about coming to the gym? And you say to feel good. So as I can be healthy so my partner can look at me and feel great about me and okay so how about you come in tomorrow and you do this program because I know that this is actually going to get the results so you can feel good about yourself so when you go home your partner can look at you and they'll go yep you look great, but the plan that I gave you to it, you know, for the nutrition plan, it's really imperative because what happens is, is if you do follow that, you'll actually create the most profound health, which will lead to longevity for your life. So I just re-established all those key values in that sentence by feeding them back to them. So when you do, they actually go, actually, yeah, that that, I really, really wanna do that. So they're motivated to go and do that. So that's really important as a coach to do that essentially throughout the training or the programming, working with them to maintain that rapport and that relationship for them to keep wanting to do the work with you.
1: That's great. That's great. I love it. I love it because if we break that down, what you said, right? You're you're essentially empowering them you're coaching them you're not telling them what to do you've asked them initially they gave you the answer you've asked them open-ended question what what what's most important to you you got that answer you you expand on that answer to reiterate back to them so that it just clicks into them because i mean it's their own words so they're not going to be they're going to be congruent with you they're not going to be fighting you because it's their own idea right and I'm then sad. you and then and then you match it with and you said that important word because, <laughs> right? I've noticed there's word because, and I've I've been really paying attention to language since I've you know been you know looking into the NLP and the word because. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but when you say the word because, that is basically tapping into our logical brain. Your your how do you how do I explain it? The reasoning. It's yes. To provide the reasoning because whatever you say after the word because that's the reasoning for whatever you said prior to the word because is that correct? Am I saying it right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So because whatever said is after because what that does, it instills a command. It's what we call is it's what we call an embedded command. So it, it gets them to take action based on the last part of that sentence. So they think about that and they go. And you go, because you're giving them reasoning and they go, actually, that makes sense, logical sense, just as what you just mentioned. And they'll go, okay, I'll take action on that. So it gives them the motivation and the reasoning. If you just tell someone what to do, not no one will do it. They may do it, but they may not. So you, by giving them that extra reasoning after that sentence, it establishes a why for them to be motivated to go and take action based off that, Yeah.
1: This is why I love coaching so much, because you can you can truly help somebody from A to B. Actually, I love the word coach. Somebody told me, you know, the word coach, where it comes from, or maybe not sure if it's true, but it was an analogy in a way as well, where in the U.S., they call buses coaches. So when you jump on a coach, you're oh. getting from an A to a B. I
0: love right. that. <laughs> That's great.
1: So, yeah, so what I really like about coaching and, you know, this is based on, you know, my own experience being in health and fitness industry, helping others, you're trying to get them, you're trying to get an individual from a point of an A to a point of a B. When I started, I was more directive. I was like, okay, you're going to do this, you do that. I did. I, you know, I was struggling with making making changes in people's lives. But only when I started incorporating some effective coaching questions, things started to shift. So it's, uh, and so effective for any industry, for anything that you guys do, those of you guys listening, if you are struggling in life to to influence positively, influence others, could be colleagues at work, you know, employees, you're trying to launch something new and trying to get everybody on board with it, you should really tap into coaching and 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 effective techniques that come with coaching, such as NLP, right?
0: Absolutely. And just to just off the back of that, in terms of coaching, there are coaches out there that do tell people what to do, but the best coaches that are actually out there are actually empowering the other person to come up with their own conclusions and their own decisions in knowing what to do. So that's the most empowering state you can actually get someone in rather than just telling them what to do.
1: That's actually an important distinction. You're right, because yes, there are coaches who will just tell you what to do, but you might just follow them blindly, but it's not going to be your own true. I'm trying to sound really smart now. Can't figure it out. Anyway, <laughs> you, you guys know what I'm trying to say. Now, what are some of the other effective techniques that other than NLP that coaches or when it comes to coaching can be used?
0: Apart from NLP? Yeah. Okay, outside of NLP good question good question i got you there i was yeah. trying to
1: think maybe may using stories like as an analogies but that, yeah so I that
0: guess... that is part of nlp so yeah. we use we use metaphors, metaphors so that's why yeah. i'm like outside of nlp um <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's all good moving yeah. on
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i wasn't even sure myself there's any other techniques that go in coaching but you know, I mean, yes, NLP covers so much, so that's just, yeah. I guess-
0: so, so NLP is actually an amalgamation of all different techniques. So, it's not only anchoring, which is, comes from you know pa- the, the story of Pablo's dogs, mm. you've also got meta programs, which comes from Viti- v- Virginia Satya, values, which comes from um, spiral dynamics, you've also got rapport, which isn't really traditional nlp but it is a technique that it is used you've got strategies as well so there's a there's a vast different amount of techniques that are used with nlp so it's a collection of tools and techniques and what we call is nlp is a psychological technology that's used today
1: now out of all of me just mentioned the Pavlov's dog that's the giving them a treat right yeah. ringing the, ringing a the bell they would know okay a treat's coming I think that's something like that. It was. How can that be used in a in a good way as a coaching technique?
0: Absolutely. So I use anchoring all the time in terms of with my clients and also I, when I train people. And one of the biggest ones that I do use is is. Auditory, which is sound, sound anchoring. So you can use music, you can use uh, clicking of the fingers, you can also use certain words. So if you're in a partnership with someone or a business partnership, let's say, using certain words to trigger a certain emotional state because we create pictures within our own mind to trigger a certain feeling and emotional state that we actually create. So it's really important that we have the right picture with the right emotion that's linked to that. So when we create an auditory or a sound anchor or a visual anchor, you can do this with colors, you can do this with different posters. So you might find that certain business people wear certain colors all the time, right? Mm. Um, For example, my business colors are black, white and gold. So I'm always seen in these particular colours when I'm actually teaching or when I'm presenting because it anchors those certain uh, visuals. So when they think of that, they go, oh, that's Maria or that's X person. So Richard Brandt is a really great example of that. He has actually anchored the visual colour of red. He is also, what's her name? Naomi Simpson mm-hmm. from Red Balloon. She yep. has also anchored red to her business. So whenever they see her, they know who she is, what she does and what she's about. So that's a visual anchor in terms of in the business context. So she Um, wears
1: red all the time, does she?
0: Absolutely. Yep. Because that's part of her business branding colors. Another example of that is words. We can use uh, language to be able to create anchors and this is, you, find, you may find this in sales or in a presentation context where certain words are repeated a number of times to be able to anchor a certain feeling when someone's feeling a certain way. So if you've got a group of people and you say a joke, right, and they're in a really great mood, they're in a really great state, you say a particular word to anchor that that particular moment at that particular time. So as you're presenting through the rest of your presentation, you just randomly bring that word in and it triggers that emotional state that they were in previously to be able to do that. So that's really powerful. And that's done covertly in a way to be able to empower an individual.
1: Hmm. i'm gonna to have to go on youtube and look up some stand-up comedians because i can think of yeah this being used very effectively in stand for stand-up comedians right because they they got to they got a joke and then they got to get they got to hit the line at the end and, and get get the effect but that's that's very interesting i did, never thought of that being used as a as a good case for 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 anchoring on nlp there you go interesting <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I used it quite commonly when I was in the fitness industry. So when someone hit, for example, a personal best or, or a, um, a yeah a personal best, yep. I used a specific word to be able to say every time they did a great job. So it instills that emotional state and that empowering state. So when they go and do it again or the next level up, they've got that particular emotional feeling and it triggers that at the end again. So that's, that's using the health and fitness industry. Mm-hmm.
1: And then, so in that case, you also have to be careful not using it when they haven't hit the great chop.
0: <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> Being conscious about how you use language.
1: You could easily put them in a false belief that they are progressing where they're not.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> now, we've talked about how this can be used for an interaction with other people, influencing other people. Let's talk about an individual because it's been, it's been shit. <laughs> last year right they see COVID happening all around the world we're all some people are more isolated than others but yeah, yeah mm-hmm. in a nutshell it's been challenging for many many people so how does how does one figure out what is holding them back how can they utilize nlp Beautiful. in their own internal language
0: excellent great question how does, one in, how does one identify if they're being held back and limited mm-hmm. is thinking about what their current goals are and what is actually um, preventing them from actually achieving it. So when we set goals, we're actually problem solving towards getting that particular goal. Now the people that actually find that they are being inhibited or challenged we'll find that, okay, so just to backtrack a little bit. Sure. So when we actually feeling challenged, we're actually falling into a space where we're not conscious about what's happening within ourselves, our emotional states, our emotional thinking, what we're saying to ourselves. And we fall unconscious is what we call it. So by having a moment of self-observation and really identifying what's your self-talk, What are you saying to yourself? Are you empowered by what's happening or are you disempowering yourself by what you're saying to yourself? How does your environment support you? Because your environment will influence the results that you create. And most people think that, okay, I just have to change myself and that's it. But the fact is that you've also got to be able to evaluate what the environment that you're in currently? Does it support your goal or where you're heading or your outcome in what you're wanting to produce? Because that'll also influence how you motivate yourself in going about doing that. The other thing is, is what are your limitations, self-limitations? And a lot of people don't know what they are, right? And the easiest way to be able to establish this is to actually do some uh, self-observation, introspective, communication with yourself let's say and to ask yourself what's actually challenging me personally internally not outside of me but in within myself that's preventing me from actually getting my goal more quickly uh, than what i want now the thing is right people set goals And they have these big audacious goals. However, a lot of the time when they're not really knowing what's limiting them or inhibiting them, it actually prevents them from actually achieving that goal. So let me ask you this, right? How many times have you set a goal and you haven't achieved it? We all have set plenty of goals and we we haven't achieved it. So it's really knowing about what are your own limitations that's actually preventing you from getting from A to B much more quickly to be able to clear those limitations up and getting there much more effectively. So NLP is a way to be able to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. That's great. Now, let's talk about work environments. How can, what would be like some of the most effective ways to get people motivated to do things together, and, you know, effectively.
0: Yep. Great. Um, so I've worked with a number of salespeople, sales teams as well. So this is really common in terms of how do you get everyone wanting to achieve the one goal, the one result. The biggest thing, what you would need to do is establish what their values are. The individual, each individual's values and what the business values are to be able to create uh, a common goal, so everyone's working together towards one common goal, which is the business goal, not the individual's goal, but the business goal. The only way to be able to, well, one way, let's say, to be able to really establish what motivates the individual in that team is to ask them what's most important to you. For example, if they're in sales, what's most important to you about achieving your, your KPIs or what's most important to you about your, you know, about sales in this job. And they'll tell you, What the the responsibility of the manager needs to do is to be able to feed back those values to each individual because what happens is is we tend to motivate other people based on how we like to be motivated, not how each individual is motivated. Mm. This is the biggest error in a lot of team work and getting teams motivated is the manager must know how each individual thinks and operates in order to know how to communicate in a way that, Uh, motivate that individual because not everyone is motivated by the same way Mm -hmm. so that's another way the other way is to be able to create a great team culture that's empowering. So, weekly meetings or bonding time, whether that be outside the context of what they're currently working in. This is pretty cliche, but it's quite overlooked in terms of, you know, working with teams. The other thing is, is knowing how to set goals. So, so, a lot of the time in organizations or corporate world, we have these quarter, quarterly goals. They'll have quarterly goals. But what are the weekly goals and what are the daily goals that each individual is working on to be able to create that positive momentum forward towards the business goal itself, which is the quarterly goal, let's say. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, Absolutely. And then you that's an interesting actually one because you might have big audacious quarterly company goals or monthly goals that you keep focusing on but the ones that are going to make the biggest influence the ones they are the ones that are done daily the small little repetitive tasks right that's really like review everyone's day-to-day performance because even deviation by 20 percent of performance can result in you know And it's not and it's not linear like 20% of effort on day to day might result in you know 50% loss in revenue because those 20% might be those two hours where you're meant to do I don't know focusing on sales oriented tasks that you're not because you because uh, for whatever reason right and so companies really need to focus on those micro as well that's why not micromanaging but micro assessing every now and then.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a great thing that you brought up. Is this micromanaging? No, not necessarily, because if the actual manager or the business leader knows how to be able to empower each individual person, they will know that they will actually achieve that result. So allowing the person to work autonomously, but also checking in in an empowering way to get them to where they need to be, for example, at the end of the week or at the end of the quarter, let's say.
1: And that can be a fine balance, finding out how can I do it so that I don't come across as a micromanaging and (laughs) knowing guy, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Personal question. Maria, tell me something that's uh, true that almost nobody agrees with you on.
0: (laughs) Highly controversial. (laughs) So not that, okay, so... This may not be something that everybody agrees with me on, but it might be something that not a lot of people know about in terms of what I do. Mm-hmm. So the Conscious CEO is has been built based on helping business owners build their psychology and also business strategies. But one biggest component that I bring in is the spirituality aspect of an individual because, and a lot of business owners don't, will probably not agree with me that are traditionally thinking about things from a strategy perspective. Perspective. Evolving consciousness is one thing that constantly happens throughout one individual's life and as a business owner, they can actually, when they tap into this particular space, it creates a much more bigger holistic approach in how an individual operates, not just as a business owner, but as an individual itself. And one of these components that I bring into when people do get curious, because you know, life is all about being curious and looking, being having curiosity in terms of what else there is and what more can I do and what more can I be and create. So expanding consciousness is something that I believe is quite a profound and imperative process for any individual. Uh, now, if you take this to a CEO that's traditionally in a corporation they'll go Maria that's a bunch of fluff what are you talking (laughs) about (laughs) so (laughs) so they may not agree with me but I do believe that that is one of the missing pieces of the puzzle of being an individual in humanity in in today's society that I think yeah
1: so how do you get that message across for them to understand it
0: that in order to be conscious, one must know how to be able to listen to themselves cautiously, and also create change continuously. It's a lifelong process as an individual on this on this journey in life.
1: Mm-hmm. So now I want to ask a couple of personal questions regarding your your entrepreneurial journey, because this show is about inspiring success, and uh, whilst what we've already covered does tap into that too it's also good to you know we talk about we talk about stories personal stories how people can sort of relate to that so that's why I like to ask my guests some of the personal stories about their own journey what were some of the um, toughest experiences that you've had in you know starting and growing your your business and this would be this business now that you have so far how did you overcome these struggles and and what did they you know how how did that experience of doing so uh, what did that experience do for you? There were two part questions.
0: Yeah. So, so the first part you asked, what were my biggest struggles?
1: Mm -hmm. In growing Um, this business?
0: Yeah, sure. So my biggest struggles were having my own self-belief within myself that I can actually do it. When I started out, I started out obviously doing it by myself. So I felt quite alone. And when you start business, you, if you're a solopreneur, you, it's a one man show. So overcoming that isolation in not having that connection with individuals was quite tough in the beginning and also coupling that with, you know, low self-confidence and not having the self-belief to put myself out there. So at many times I try to be able to do business but I unconsciously sabotaged it many times because I didn't, I was running off my own limitations of what would people think of me? What would they say? I can't do this or I can't be like this. So, in the beginning, I really had to discover who I was to be able to put myself out there authentically and not and just do me and be me in um, how I do business so that was really challenging in the beginning and what I did is I actually uh, worked with a coach to be able to assist me through that as time went on I developed that confidence and that self-belief and as soon as I did that it was a complete game changer for me in terms of how I interacted with people, the type of clients that I attracted. And even my business income actually increased quite significantly when I developed that confidence and that authority within myself to put myself out there in doing what I do.
1: Yeah. So a big takeaway from this is that, and this would be relevant to anyone's Mm -hmm. pursuit of success, is you really need to tap into your own inner self and see Absolutely. if there are any limiting beliefs before you actually start putting money into your business because unless you figure this out, you're just going to be, you know, the money will just keep going down the drain, right?
0: Yeah, that that's actually definitely one aspect. But it also, what I found was, without having that inner knowing of who I was and removing that and then becoming the person that I needed to be in order to be the business leader, the strategies that I was wanting to execute were were like, they seemed pretty straightforward. You know, you just do this, you do that, and you'll achieve this. But it felt like a constant hard slog every time. It felt like I was pushing, you know, a rock up a hill. Mm -hmm. Once I looked at it and changed how I, my thinking around it and created a different perspective of myself and how I do business, things started to move quite quickly and more effortlessly and the results started coming in. So, What I would suggest is for anyone that is starting out in business, that is wanting to start a business or even is in business and they feel like things have started to plateau or stagnate, it's not what's happening in the business. You've got to look at what's happening within you in order to lead the business forward to create the results that you're wanting to create. Mm -hmm.
1: And this would be relevant also just for those that are listening and they're more career driven. That applies to their career as well, not just business. Could you agree, Maria?
0: Absolutely. If you're wanting to, if you're already in a, in a job and you know, it's something that you love doing, but you're wanting to create more or you feel like things have stagnated within the job is looking, what, what am I doing that I'm not doing that I need to do or I must do in order to do things differently.
1: Mm -hmm. And the one thing around all of this is in a way we could, we could put it under one simple board and that is, responsibility you know taking your own taking responsibility and not blaming surroundings environment other people constantly if you're finding yourself you do that oftentimes then you should stop because you're probably there's something that you need to change within yourself because it's not it's not the environment that's to blame
0: absolutely we create our own reality so whatever we see outside of ourselves that we don't really like or that's not happening it's something that's not actually working within our own selves. So I love how you said take responsibility because it's easier to point the finger outside of ourselves and go, it's this person's fault or it's the economy's fault or it's the government's fault. But the thing is, is that if you want things to be different, you've got to do something within your own self or do something differently in order to create a different, different result, different world, different relationship, different job, different business. It all comes down to you as the individual. And mm-hmm.
1: It all comes down to full circle to the start of the podcast when we talk about mindset. <laughs> mindset. This is why NLP is yeah. so powerful. Tap into that, guys. Tap into that. Now, tell us about those moments when you start to see success in your coaching business. How did that impact your lifestyle, Maria?
0: I would have to say when I started seeing profound results within my own clients, so when I work with people or even with students, they come to me with whatever problem that might be. And I can already see what the result would be before they even start with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, In that moment, I know that I have I can create such big impact. And by having that complete volition within my own self and what I do and the result that I can achieve, it has created such an exp- exponential growth within my own business, not only, not only in what I do, but also financially as well. So yeah, just, yeah, just having that self-belief and creating that change within the person because people come to you and they don't see it. But you, as, as a coach or as a trainer, you can already see, or even as a personal trainer, they come to you with a problem or with what, what they're wanting to achieve. And you go, yeah, I can see that happening. I know how that's going to happen even before they sign up with you. And that's the same thing when, when I work with individuals and because I have that volition in myself and within the people that I that I bring in as clients or students, they get that result and then it, it's just an overflow effect. So then they bring in more people and then I create that change and so forth. So it creates greater impact on, you know, on a bigger scale.
1: And it's definitely very rewarding when you finally see that impact being made on someone else's life. But, but I also found it very frustrating when I was starting out as a personal trainer because just like yourself, like you said, when you see them the first time you can already see the opportunity what could be done and you know i would talk to people who were you know just about to become clients and i would be like mm. so excited for them because i was like okay we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we're gonna do that and then they're not improving i felt so frustrated and obviously then later on a proof because i started incorporating coaching and and better language and better just better way how i was able to influence them but <laughs> Yeah, initially it was very frustrating because especially, you know, I'm very solution, uh, sorry, problem solving type of guy. So I was always, Mm -hmm. okay, I got to fix something else. I got to fix something else. And I would just constantly blame myself for for my clients, you know, lack of progress. But yeah, it was only then when I, you know, started incorporating coaching and realized, okay, you know what? It's actually, it's a, you know, really, it's a two-way street. It's, you know, the hard thing for me was, you know, when, when you it was the first thing when I started to charge this you know three digit numbers as a personal trainer and then it's not just myself, but for those of you guys listening, that's what we charge in Sydney uh, three digit numbers that's that's quite normal you know but for me it felt like okay well I'm being paid so much. I got to, I gotta do best I can to you know to help my clients. And when they weren't getting results, I would blame myself and I felt like I'm not worthy of that money. And it was only when I learned about coaching and incorporated coaching is when I realized that it's, you know, it's a really a two-way street and I need to, you know, need to get my clients to take ownership of their own actions as well.
0: Yeah. And that's a, that's a great point. And it goes back to the individual taking responsibility for the change that they want to create. There's only so much a coach can do, but it's really up to the individual as well in terms of what kind of result they want to get as well. So yeah, like you said, a two-way street. Mm-hmm.
1: Maria, I've got a question for you. This show is about inspiring others to be at their best. What do you do uh, to keep yourself at your best? Do you work out?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I look after myself. Health is very important to me. So that is one thing that can assist someone to be able to operate Uh, at their peak performance, but ultimately mindset is the, the key thing in being able to really unlock the key to success. And what I do is I observe my thoughts. I'm conscious about what I'm thinking, but I also have a plan in terms of where I'm heading and what my goals are. And I look at those daily to be able to really remind myself as to what I'm wanting to achieve and where I want to be and also who I need to become in order to achieve those goals as well.
1: I love it. I love it. And when you talk about plans, what, what do you use? Do you use like a visual board or do you write it down in a notepad?
0: I do it various different ways. So writing down is really great because it actually takes it out from the unconscious mind and it brings it into the conscious awareness. So by simply writing things out, things out daily, I also have a visual planner that I have on my computer. I use various different applications to do that, but having that visual reminder every day but also the written to-do list is also a key thing in getting me and keeping myself on track in terms of where I'm heading and what I'm doing.
1: Mm, I love it there's something really satisfying when you can check that box isn't it?
0: Absolutely (laughs) cross (laughs) it off.
1: Now, in closure, Maria, we've discussed a bunch of really good stuff today, NLP and and mindset and a whole heap of other stuff that, you know, it's all very valuable and I'll make sure I'll put it on the show notes. But Mm -hmm. after listening to today's interview for the listeners, what would be the top three things that you'd like them to quote unquote walk away with after listening today?
0: So number one is to be clear on what you want and where you're heading. Uh, and by number two is is also being aware of what your emotional uh, and thought processes are. And if you catch yourself, take a moment and really observe what that means and also knowing how to change that in being congruent or moving forward with complete volition in what you're wanting to achieve. And number three is uh, taking time and really looking after yourself because as business owners, we tend to work a lot and striving for what we want, but also taking time out and really being kind to yourself is just as important to yourself as a business owner.
1: I love it. I love it. We definitely have to look after our body because uh, that's how we perform at our best when we are physically and mentally at our peak. That's when we can make magic happen. So thank you, Maria. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you for your time sharing all the insights today and delving into the NLP and providing some real practical like, examples as well. I was really valuable. I liked all the, all the bits about language. There's so many, so many great things that you mentioned today. So thank you for, for that. And if anybody wants to reach out to you, how can people find you?
0: Yeah, sure. So you can jump onto my website, which is mariavamvuklus.com. And I'm sure you'll have the spelling of all of that in the notes. The other way to connect with me is on Facebook or on LinkedIn at Maria Van Vukles or at The Conscious CEO.
1: I love it. I love it. And also, for those of you guys listening, we're putting a special offer for you. So make sure you jump into the show notes on the Success Inspired podcast. There's something special waiting for you from Maria. So make sure that you check in those show notes. You'll find it under the bonus heading. And uh, thank you all again for listening. Stay successful. Stay inspired pursuing that success. And uh, until next time, well, until next time, be great.